Hi, and welcome to The Running Anthropologist. I'm your host, Mark Lane Holbert, and gratefully supported by my lovely wife and co-producer, Megan Lane Holbert. We are coming to you from our home studios today, and really excited to bring you the second part of our Running Stories series. Uh, Sandwiched in between Peace Corps Running Stories, we have the running mayor, or some call him the chief running officer, used to be uh, part of the number one uh, publication in the U.S. for running, which is Runner's World. Uh, Many of us have read it, learned a lot from it, and highlighted his articles. We'll have links to all of his articles from our website, uh, as well as notes, show notes, information, anything you might want to hear about the episode. Please go ahead and share with us some of your running stories on our website or on our Facebook page. Send us a message. We look forward to hearing from you. Let's get started. And welcome to the show, Bart Yasso. I'm really excited to have the the mayor of running and um, the recent uh, chief running officer of Runner's World, who has um, been all over the world and uh, has so many stories himself. But I've promised him today that we would just let him talk about and tell stories about the culture of running, because that's what we are dedicated to at the podcast and hoping that we can learn just a little bit from his insight of all this wonderful thing that he's done and given back to the running world. So um, thanks so much for being with us today, Bart. Oh, Mark, thank you so much. Keep up the work with your podcast. This is awesome. Well, thanks a lot. Um, you know, we're um, one of the things that I, I, I always think about when I, I think of you is um, never limit where running can take you. That's um, yeah. That's my tagline. Physically, <laughs> geographically, spiritually, emotionally, however you use this full sport. Yeah. Wow, that that's such a very simple but very deep um, way to think about it. Could um, maybe I, I know you've been all over the the Arctic, the Antarctic, Mount Everest. Um, <laughs> you know, just um, the the comrades race in South Africa. Um, Mount Kilimanjaro race, um, in, in all these places that you've been, what, you know, what, what motivates you and inspires you, uh, to, to, to travel and keep seeing places and, and meeting new people in different running communities? Yeah, Mark, when I started, you know, I started running 40 years ago, so it was a much different sport back in the seventies when I started than it is what it is today. Uh, and when you mentioned, uh, to get this title, the mayor of running, I don't know where it came from, who started it, but I've been here for a year or so, 25 years, something like that. I kind of like it. Uh, <laughs> but my, as you said, my real job, my, uh, you know, I was the chief running officer at Runners World Magazine for years. So I did retire last year. But so with my job, yes, I did travel all over the world. Uh, you know, it was something I always wanted to travel all over the world, but I didn't think, uh, you know, when I was dreaming of doing long runs, thinking about traveling all over the world and doing races all over the world, no clue that someday it would be my job and I would get paid to do that. Like, that was, you know, beyond a dream, to be <laughs> quite honest. That dream came true when it happened to me. Uh, but, you know, I always, from day one, have gotten so much information out of the running community 
just the way the community just accepts everybody and and ups people just to get get started whatever level people are at whether they're literally just in their first steps of running and you know running a minute and walking a minute or maybe even running 30 seconds and walking 30 seconds forever they start or someone who's been at it many years uh trying to improve to get to boston or or break five hours on a marathon whatever these goals are i find the community the running community very supportive and very helpful to a lot of people on all levels and it's and it's on a global scale i did travel the world for um like about 31 years and uh i've seen it on, on a global level just uh just always amazing me how supportive people are and helpful and uh, encourage you hmm. and they want to pass it on yeah and, I... uh, it's a it's a really cool thing to to experience and part of I think that sticks out at me more than anything when I when I hear you speak or at the at the race finish line, you know just how many people you remember and talk to and how you know down to earth you know you just, just strike up conversations with people and spend time with them and that's that's really the way to connect and and listen to and get to know others. I, and I, I'm grateful that you're out there doing it and that you've done it for so long with Runner's World and now just. Uh, you know, just volunteering and on your own. Uh, so we're all grateful yeah, for I'm that. Still, I'm still active with a few pieces, you know, nothing like the old days, but, I, you know, it's hard to walk away from the running community. Impossible to run away from the running community, literally. Uh, so <laughs> you know, I, I'm excited that I'm still involved and, in, you know, a much smaller scale and go to some races that I have great friendships with and, you know, I still do public at events and uh, you know I really cherish that it's uh, when I get these engagements it's an opportunity and uh, you know I never take that for granted. I feel very fortunate that I have that opportunity and I try to make the best of it and try to really connect with people and uh, and I like to remind people how inspiring they are not only to me but to many and I think people lose sight of that they think, well, you know, I'm just a runner out there in the middle of the pack or the back of the pack or even at the front of the pack, and they just don't realize. Uh, they inspire a lot of people that may never tell them or never reach out to them. Uh, but, you know, you have to go for a run. Somebody's watching you head out to the door. They're, they're motivated by that dedication. And, uh, you know, we always have a kind of pain look on our face when we're out there. We're really having fun and enjoying it. That's what, uh, that's one of the things people don't realize until they're immersed in their own community. Hmm. You know how much fun, how much of a community it really is, and we really we really like this stuff. We're out there enjoying ourselves, and uh, not everyone thinks that way. Just by uh, sometimes and look we have on our face when we finish a run. Yeah, that's that's uh, true. And I, I was going to ask you, how do you um, you know how do you un unintimidate those people who are just starting and running or who have done, you know, for fun, recreational running sure. that want to get going, get involved in a group or train for a, a half or a full marathon, for example. Yeah. Well, I, I, you know, every day in my office, it was working on my job and then kind of on the side, always, you know, I got to create these new runners. I got to get people out there running that don't think they're a runner or, Hmm. And uh, and 
people that are active out there already that have amazing stories, and they don't think they have amazing stories. Hmm. Jorge Garcia, who I believe was your episode five. I think that's right, yep. Yeah, Jorge was one of those people. Like, I met Jorge, and I thought, you know, I first met him back in, like, 2010 or 11. And, you know, he had a big smile on his face, and he knew who I was, and gave me a big bug, and we just connected, and I, you know, my impression was, wow, this guy, you know, must have grown up with the Kennedys, you know. <laughs> he's got to meet. He's just so happy, and he's got everything going. And uh, his story is the exact opposite of that. And, you know, he, he was actually homeless, and, you know, all the stuff that happened to him, it's just is amazing. It can overcome uh, what has happened to him and to be successful in life. But yeah. he has that right attitude. He always... You know, what he says is, you know, nothing done alone. He really relies on a community and is very grateful to the community. And yeah. that's the stuff that amazes me. You know, uh, just two weeks ago when I was in, I was uh, doing race announcing and public speaking at the Oklahoma City Marathon. Oh, okay. Uh, which is a very powerful race because it makes this connection with the Oklahoma City Memorial. Sure. And it's actually the biggest fundraiser for the memorial. Hmm. Uh, so it's, it's a very special event. And I've been to it a couple times up there last year, and to, back in 2010, and then I was just there a couple weeks ago. And uh, I remember this woman, I'll never forget her story, I'll never forget her fate. Uh, I, I actually first met her at the Little Rock, uh, but her Oklahoma City connection, she was in the Oklahoma City bombing. Hmm. And she was one of the people that survived, but she was buried literally sitting at her desk buried wow. concrete just pinned to her desk but you know when the brave first responder that went in there to save these people not knowing that, you know was this building really safe to do what they were doing and you know there were people in there to save and she was one of those people hmm. uh, but when she when she got saved and realized that she was going to live she was lucky she had a little where her head was facing, she had a little pocket debris there, but she was literally cut in 10 feet of concrete of her body. Hmm. And uh, somehow got her out of there alive. And, uh, you know, when she got herself back together at some point, she was a person that was overweight. And she lost 200 pounds. And Oof, wow. she had a second chance at luck. That's amazing. Started running and doing all the stuff. And, you know, when you hear someone, when they say that, you know, that second chance of life, when, you know, when you're really that close to death, you really got time to think about it. You know, I got to make the most of, of this life because it is a, even if a long life for, for a fulfilling, it's a short time that you're here. So you got to make the best of it. Yeah, I hear I just, you. I just remember looking at her face when she was telling me her story and you know she doesn't think that she has a story and huh. I beg to differ with her <laughs> quite a bit but you know she uh, you know I just you know double scars on her legs from the from being buried in the rubble soon have nothing compared to the scars that she has in her mind to what what she survived and uh, it, you know her story was so powerful that it never I think I probably met her, oh, God, it had to be seven, eight years ago. 
Wow, that's and such a really cool to reconnect with her. And you know, she, I saw you know, and as she was walking towards. I knew who it was, and she just all else like just you know, that second chance. You really you don't take anything for granted. And uh, you know, she's true, really an inspiration to me. Wow, that's great. That's, that's that community that uh, you know, unless you're immersed in this community, people on the outside really don't know this, you know this stuff, and. Uh, you know, go on and on stories like that. I mean, it's amazing yeah. the people I met. Just, you, uh, people overcome so many obstacles just to get to the starting line. The first line is just their reward and celebration. Just uh, to get to the know, starting line. Yeah. Just to get, just to have opportunity to be at that starting line. All these people want. And, uh, you know, when you're someone like Amy, who was that close getting to that starting line means me. Wow. You know, we hear uh, stories like interesting, that. Interesting. Yeah. Mark, it's really interesting. If she was not a woman and was not overweight, they'd, she would have never survived. But the weight, hmm. concrete on her body would have crushed her or But because she was a big woman, was able to survive. So it's interesting how that all plays out. It's an interesting uh, story. Yeah, and you know, so, that second chance and willing to change and knowing that uh, be this person that she wasn't. She really wanted to uh, make the life, and you know, the willingness. She, yeah, she wasn't gonna wasn't gonna get you know wasn't just gonna take it for granted. And the fact that we're physically able and and I've heard you say before culturally able, you know, lucky in the place that that we live and that many of us runners do live that we're able to get out and run both men and women is um, yeah. you, hear, you hear stories, you know, from veterans or perhaps from people who, well, even people who survived 9-11 who think about sure. the tragedy that they've overcome, but how much runners have given back to that community too. And you're, you're kind of humbled, you know, by what they're able to give to a city like New York to, to bring life and bring hope uh, back to it. Um, I, yeah, Mark, you make a very good point. Uh, One of the things I do always say that, you know, lucky we are physically to do what we do, but culturally also, because one of the one of the things about traveling around the world as I did, you really, and I won't ever, you really do see people suppress culturally, financially, uh, suppress whether it's color of their skin, or religion or whatever it is, it, you know, when you're suppressed, it's hard to, I, I just can't imagine how uh, black South African runners enjoying apartheid where they thought, mm -hmm. you know, they go out for a run on a country road, they don't know if they'll make it back to their home. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, that's scary to think about. I don't, I don't feel that way when I head out for a run, you know, from my home in Pennsylvania, very safe. And, uh, but they're, there are people that, you know, have come a lot just to speak, be allowed to run. Hmm. So it's, it's hard for us to or head around it, but I've seen it and did and spoke to many people who, you know, severely suppressed life. And, uh, but, you know, it happens. And uh, part of that change is just somebody or somebody, whether person or a group or someone starts it and then it just kind of snowballs. It's like 
gets behind it, and then you really have change. Be brave enough to to run in your community, whether you look odd and and share the the benefits of fitness yeah. and. It, it's funny that you mentioned that, Bart, because we're um, coming up, we're having uh, returnees from the Peace Corps talk about their running stories, and most of them are oddballs out and getting running clubs started in their host communities. So that ties in really well. Um, we'll be starting that next week, you know, just to kind of. Oh, great idea. <laughs> yeah. Corps yeah. workers are unbelievable people, and they obviously are sent to the place where. You know, where people money, people don't have opportunity, and running is, in many ways, is simplistic. Hmm. And, uh, you know, they help a lot of people, and that's one of the beauties of the sport is the simplicity of it, and, uh, you know, it can, uh, can help people, and it's available to a lot of people. Yeah, kind of like a universal equalizer in, in sport. Uh, actually, Bart, I wanted to ask you on that note. Um, you've told the story a few times about the Mount Kilimanjaro race in, in East Africa or the, the running in East Africa and how, you know, you're lining up with Ethiopians and Kenyans and how the, yeah, che- yeah. the culture is a little different and cheering and stuff a like that. Different. Yeah. 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 It is intimidating to line up for a race and everyone's from East Africa and you're, uh, this guy from the United States and everyone's looking at you like, God, better be a good runner because everyone else runs fast. It's unbelievable. <laughs> it really is. Running is a culture. Uh, you know, in Kenya, the $25 shilling is like equal to our U.S. dollar. Okay. Uh, Kip, Kip Kano is his purse. You know, he's an Olympic runner. That's who's on their dollar. Wow. And <laughs> the back of the dollar is the stadium where he won his first gold medal. So, uh, you know, when it's, when the heroes and their place, you know, is, uh, when the heroes like on, on the photos on their money are runners, that's absolutely an incredible learning culture. Huh. Yeah. What a great, what a great gift to, you know, to have those heroes be people that are doing good things in the community and supporting others. I know, a lot of those guys go back and live in their community and train um, individuals from their community and just give back with with all that they've done. So that's that's pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, a lot of the you know you know that's a lot of East Africans have won major marathons these days. Berlin, London, Boston, uh, both on the men's and the women's side. They do invest a lot in their home country and really help people out and really try to people out there to, to uh, just have the, like I say, just have the opportunity to go run. Who knows if they'll ever, you know, reach the caliber of an Olympic runner, but they just want to, they just want to give them that chance that they can go out and run. Sure. I, you know, Bart, I, I, one thing that struck me is, is you were just talking there. You've, you've been to some of the elite runners and also some of the distant areas of the globe where running is not very common, but still try to put together a run and build up the community and, Runner's World um, throughout the years. I, I know those part of your assignments, Runner's World sent you to some far corners of the globe to do that. Um, I, I was kind of wondering if you had any kind of outliers or any favorite spots that um, you'd like to share that maybe where running wasn't picked up quite so quickly, but it was still fun to be there and to, to see the culture. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of, you know, 
tends to be some of the smaller isolated countries where, you know, Nepal comes to mind. Hmm. Uh, and, and the Mount Everest Marathon. And, uh, you know, most of the runners were from either the UK, Germany, France, or America. Uh, but there was one Nepalese guy that wanted to do the marathon. And hmm. uh, he just happened to be a fast Nepalese guy. <laughs> <laughs> and he was a... Uh, and he was a guy that grew up in the Everest region. So when we started running at 7,800 feet of elevation, he could run very well at that elevation. So it was interesting to, to see just, you know, he was alone Nepalese in a race in Nepal. Huh. Uh, he could run. It was pretty cool to see how, how well he could run. He was a little guy. Uh, you know, I'm saying probably four ten. Uh, at best, and I would say if he weighed 100 pounds, he was soaking wet. <laughs> and uh, but he could run, and he could, you know, deal very well with elevation because he's never he's lived in the Everest region his whole life. So it's really cool to see somebody uh, be that good. Yeah, that's I one. Remember, th- as we were uh-huh. running towards the finish line, I was, you know, as the race went on, we would got to more lower elevation. I think the Finishing elevation is about 10,800 feet, which is still pretty high, but obviously not as hard as you know running at 7,000 feet. Uh, I remember just seeing and thinking, man, I'm going to catch this guy, and I never caught him. (laughs) (laughs) But it was just interesting though that I could just see him out there. He just looked—he made it look so easy the way he ran at these elevations. But he was slowing down. You know, later in the race, as we got towards the 23, 24 mile mark, and I think just because he really didn't train like you know, I put in the miles, and he, I don't think he really did, but he, you know, he ran, uh, but I don't think he did any like an organized training plan. And sure. It was, uh, it's pretty cool, to, but I was happy that, uh, you know, when you only have one Nepalese in the race, that, that he could win the race. It's pretty cool. Yeah, well, runners. And I remember. India the same way. Okay. I did a, a couple trail runs in India, and uh, one place in northern India, up near where they don't allow tourists, were uh, way in the north. Uh, okay, near near know, Pakistan. And... Yes, yeah. where uh, Punjab, Pakistan, that all comes together, northern India, and uh, we were in a, in a city called Gangtok, and an area called Sakin. Uh, which we had mm-hmm. to get special visas to go to. Hmm. And there was one runner in that race that competed in the Asian Games and was a track runner. And it was a road half marathon, but he had, he had good 10,000 meter speed. And it was really, uh, really cool to see, you know, the, there were a lot of people out there cheering. And uh, it was really cool to see a local guy up front there. And, you know, I was That's trying great. to catch him, but wasn't happening. And, uh, but just to see how you know what a hero he was to to his hometown and uh, to his people in Sikkim, Sikkimese people, uh, it was very interesting. And there was a you know very very poor area, hmm. and uh, you know I he was the only runner I ever saw when I was there. I never saw anyone else out running when I did my runs. So interesting. But he told me that he competed in the Asian Games and it was more of a ten thousand meter track runner. Interesting. Challenge that challenge that half marathon ran pretty well. It's cool to see. Sometimes it so, surprises. You know, these, sometimes it yeah, surprises you. 
yeah, these isolated areas, but, you know, running just, you don't need a whole lot. And I think that's what, you know, these people, you know, they turn to running because, you know, it's something they feel they can do. Hmm. Yeah, the other thing that sometimes surprises me is that runners come in all shapes, sizes, and ages, and most of them are faster than me, regardless of their shape or size, you know? Uh, <laughs> oh, right now, there's some older guys that are killing it. I mean, I know there's Gene Dykes, 254 Marathon at age 71, and, uh, you know, it just amazes me. I just saw another... 70 year old guy break three hours in a marathon and uh you know just i don't know how they do it amazing and, uh yeah the gasparilla race we had a 97 year old woman do the 5k yes i was there for that one yeah yeah and she doesn't <laughs> understand why we make a big deal about her she's like oh yeah where you know I'm towards <laughs> the back of the pack why are you why do you even care i'm out here like oh you're our hero we we all want to do this when we're 97. Every runner, I mean, not, not just me. I mean, we all want to be doing this when we're that age. That's right. Uh, so when you meet someone that is doing it, you know, it doesn't matter what pace they're doing. If they're out there, it's amazing. And, uh, you know, it's pretty cool. She's a really, really sweet woman and just doesn't understand why uh, we go crazy when she runs the 5K. <laughs> You know, we you've got your finger on the on the pulse of a lot of running culture and and running stories. You know, being part of Runner's World is is there anything that still surprises you, or if not, maybe something that still inspires you that uh, is sort of surprising that that you might be able to share? Yeah, there is stuff. I mean, it, the stories just never end. They really, you know, just amazes me. What what really amazes me is when. Uh, you know, people just, they just share their story. Like, you know, most people are, are afraid to share their story. But I go to events, and I guess because I'm there to do race announcing or public speaking, and people, you know, a lot of runners know my name. It's people just, they come up to me, you know, it's the first time I meet them. I mean, I'm a total stranger to them in the big picture. I mean, they may know my name, or and they just flat out tell me their story. And, you know, it's the coolest thing, because that's what I want them to do, but it amazes me how often it happens and how powerful their stories are. I uh, bet. You know, just, uh, and you just see that, you know, there's so many people that walk up to me and, you know, they say, oh, I know you'll never believe this, but I used to weigh 450 pounds, and that you're looking at them and they weigh 150 pounds, and they're getting ready to do a marathon. And, you know, I never... I've never been overweight my whole life. I have never weighed more than 165 pounds, so I can't. It's hard for me to wrap my head around somebody being 400 pounds, but, you know, it's got to be really hard. Just the challenge, yeah. Just the challenge, you know, what they tell me is just to walk, you know, walk from your house to your car is a challenge. And, you know, now they're doing marathons, and, you know, I, I can't tell you how often I say to them, please, please, please share your story because it's, uh, you're going to inspire a lot of people because that's, you never know what gets people to make that change. Hmm. You know, what, uh, it may not be something as traumatic as like Amy. I mean, when she made that change, she was buried alive, literally. But sometimes it's just people that, you know, they just know they want to make change. They want, they want to live a better life or they, 
they know making a change will, will do, you know, have great benefits. Sure. But you just don't, there's something that sparks them to do it. And, those... and it could be something so simple mm-hmm. as, you know, just talking to some runner. And, then, you know, this runner saying to him, you know what, you should take up this sport of running. I think it would really, really help you out. And you may meet this person at, like, the running store or at a running club function or at a race. Maybe somebody that's volunteering at a race. So, you know, I always tell people, just encourage people, even if you don't think they're a runner. And when I do my public speaking, I always go up on that stage and realize, you know, I'm, I'm at a race and I'm going to speak about running, but I always know there's people in the audience that are not a runner. Yes. They're a spouse to a runner, they're a friend to a runner, they're... Uh, here to volunteer, or there's something that got them into this place where I'm going to speak, they don't run. Hmm. And uh, so I never, I always think of that when I walk up on that stage because, you know, it's easy for me to speak to the runners, but I really want to try to connect with that, you know, I don't know, is there 10 people, 40 people, you know, whatever, that are out there that are here to hear me speak and don't run. But I want them to walk out of this room that we're in and say, huh, I'm going to be a runner. (laughs) And I do get messages from people that say that to me. Like, you know, they said, you know, I get these emails or, you know, they send me a message through Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or they connect with me. And and I I love when I get those. And I say, you know, I heard you speak at this race. And uh, I wasn't a runner and didn't think running was for me. And, you know, and, and I say, I, I'm going to marathon next week, you know. What a um, gift. I, I, you know, it's it's the coolest thing. And I, you know, I, I can't thank them enough for actually reaching out to me and, and telling me that. Uh, you know, it's just, uh, they really think, you know, they're kind of like embarrassed by it. They think they're like, back. and I said, no, 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 don't be embarrassed. This is a, you made my day. This is a very cool email to receive. No, that's great. <laughs> However, they connect with me. So it does got to be that, I'm sold to just encourage and look at somebody and say, uh, you know, I I struggle with the problem that runners see people in the back of the pack. I think, oh, these people don't train, they don't care. Or, and it's really not true. No, people, not at all. You know, are struggling sure. with a lot of problems and just for them to get in a couple miles is a big chore. And it could be physical problems, it could be, you know, mental problems, it could be, you know, some trauma they're going through, whatever it is, you can't take that attitude. You got to encourage everybody at every level. Encourage the back and of the pack. What, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. And that's what what I call. That's where the magic is. You know, you ever stay to the bitter end of a race, and I never leave till the street sweeper or the zamboni or the police <laughs> come down and say we got to open the streets. Whatever, whatever happens. Uh, I stayed on the bitter end, and those are the stories. I mean, those are the people that are, you know, breaking down in the tears, and you don't know what they have to overcome to get to the storyline, but uh, chances are there's something that uh, something made them make change and get out there and, and do this race. And as as Pretty you, cool yeah, yeah, and as you mentioned, Bart, being that cultural ambassador, that running evangelist, uh, any of us can do it if we're in a local community or a local running club just by being there for people that 
you know, maybe starting or maybe slower or may just need some advice about sure. having a realistic goal, something like that. And um, the more yeah. you do it, the more it's contagious. So It is contagious, yeah. Yeah, and people are, and I convince people into sticking around and really seeing the end of a race. Once they do it, they go, oh, my God, why, why haven't I done this before? This is the coolest thing ever. That's great so advice. Get it, sometimes you got to. You know, you got to get home, and there's stuff you got to do, and flights to catch, and all kinds of stuff out there. If I get it, you know, there's not always you can stick around, but a lot of times people can, and that really it changes their perception on what goes on towards the back of the pack. Hmm. Well, I'm I'm going to try that for my next race. I we're we're going to be doing a little montage of the the crim in Flint, Michigan. So I, yeah, I'll, okay. I'll, tr- I'll try to do that and, you know, talk to the last people that cross the line. That's a great idea. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, cool, Mark. I love it. Um, I, I know that we said we'd try to keep it around a, a half hour. If, if I have just a couple more minutes, I wanted to ask you about... Yeah, um, <laughs> Thanks, Bart. Um, I wanted to ask sure. you about your um, contact with... Uh, with the Amish community in Pennsylvania. Um, yeah. I, I've heard that... My favorite, uh, you know, I always said my two favorite stories in all my years at Runner's World were working on the feature piece, running with the Amish, and, of course, the, working on the Comrades Marathon piece, because hmm. I wanted a lot of people to experience Comrades. But running with the Amish, I mean, growing up in Pennsylvania, fascinated by the Amish my entire life, you know, like, how do they live without all the stuff that we have, electricity, hot water, you know, electrical tools to do stuff. How do they farm with Belgian horses? And, you know, uh, I, I, you know, it just always amazed me. But, you know, there was always this thing that, you know, you respect the Amish and you don't kind of, you know, look at them from a distance and, you know, let them do their own thing. And, uh, and then I got this message about these Amish runners and they want they want to run with me. And I'm like, they're Amish runners? I had no clue. And then I find out these Amish runners are really good runners. Uh, and, uh, you know, I just had so much fun running with them. And then, uh, you know, trying them to, to do the piece of the magazine, uh, you know, it was hard because I had to convince them that, you know, we're not exploiting them. Uh, but, you know, I told them, I said, people are going to be fascinated by this because, uh, it's just not common. Hmm. And then, uh, you know, as the story took off and really was a big hit in the magazine and online, and uh, it was amazing to see their, their how many of the Amish took up running because huh. they were inspired by the other Amish ones and, uh, and how fast they got, both on the men's and women's side. Really? Uh, wow. And they did it in a really short period of time, too, so it was really cool. And I, I keep in touch with the couple of the uh first Amish that I met and uh you know really became friends with and now when I go to races like there's a lot of they'll don't only race they like the Boston Marathon because it's on a Monday they won't race the Sunday races they race find the races on Saturday or occasionally have a race like Boston that happens on a Monday okay uh but they like the Saturday marathon so I know I see a lot of Amish do Richmond and, uh, you know, it's funny they finish and they're coming in with their black pants and suspenders and white cotton shirt. And, uh, huh. and, and I, I know they're from the 
Amherst community in Lancaster, the minute they come up to me and say, hey, Mr. Yasha, how are you? And it's like, <laughs> how the heck? It just amazes me. Uh, but it, but I, it's a really cool feeling. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm just so excited that, you know, what what the Amish did once they realized uh, what they had and they didn't want the bishop telling them they shouldn't run because if they, if they were all about the trophies and all about, you know, bragging about themselves, the bishop would come down hard on them and tell them they're not allowed to run. So, so they're very cautious about the way they, they go about it and, they're, and they encourage each other. Yeah, they always say it's not about us; it's about the community, and uh, and that's why it's it's done so well, and it's really cool to see. Uh, when I go out to the race called the Burdened Hand Half Marathon right outside of Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Okay. Between the kids run the half marathon and the five k, there's a couple hundred of that run the race. It's pretty cool to see. Wow. Well, we'll have to put five, a link five to Five years that. ago, there would have been five or six years ago, there would have been none. <laughs> And now there's a couple hundred, so just shows what uh, you know. Just one or two people can do if they really want to spread the love and, and you know share the share with the community. Wow, what a what a great story and a good good way to finish. I, I can't think of a better way to be a running uh, mayor than to uh, you know to bring <laughs> it to people in your home community and people that you. Are nearby um, in the Amish community. We, I grew up in Michigan. We have a significant Amish population oh, yeah. in Michigan as well. Yeah, and yeah. Um, just wonderful people. I'm I'm so happy that uh, that's taken hold and the healthy, some of the healthy aspects of running are are being spread in the in the Amish community. That's that's so cool. Thanks, thanks, Bart. Yeah, yeah. And it was actually it came out of time when the Amish needed to, uh, you know, they were all hardworking farmers in the old days, but then they run out of land to farm so now they do different kind of trades hmm. and so they're not physically active as they were in their younger days the Amish all of a sudden started to be a little overweight and uh, you know so when this running came along it couldn't have happened at a better time oh, good well I hope it, it grows there and um, I I know that you're going to be around Pennsylvania for for much longer time and continuing to encourage others both in the Amish community and beyond and um, I think also among our listeners uh, so I, I'm really grateful that you took time out of your uh, quote unquote retired schedule to, <laughs> to sit yeah, down my <laughs> And I, I look forward to meeting you uh, next time you're in Tampa again. Um, uh, yeah, I get to get down for Gasparilla. I usually do the race and outing at Gasparilla and do a couple of the functions that they have and they do. It's always a fun weekend. And, uh, it's one of those races that you know goes on all weekend. Mm-hmm. You know, two races on Saturday, two races on Sunday. Friday at the Expo is a big deal, so it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, well, thanks for being a part of it. It's it's good for Florida for sure, and we we appreciate yeah. you coming. Oh, thank you, and thanks for having me on your podcast, Mark. I really appreciate it. You you too, Bart. Same here. Thanks again. And thank you once again for joining us in the Running Anthropologist podcast. Please feel free to share us with friends and anyone who's interested in the culture of running, who likes to travel and likes to combine running with exploring the world. 
Look forward to hearing from you on our Facebook page, any runs that you take part in that you think we should feature, or anyone you think we should interview. Look forward to hearing from you. Until next time, happy running.